Welcome to the HSD podcast series. I'm your host today, Laura Franco, Vice President, Director of Post-Acute Regulatory Strategy. Today, I'm joined again by Jennifer Lamb, RN, MBA, and Mock Surveyor for Life Care Services. And we are continuing that journey as we continue to discuss all of the new FTAG numbering systems and the regulations that are contained in each one of the 49 potentially substandard quality of care tags. So our goal is to help you understand each one of these tags individually, especially now that they're part of the survey process. Today, we've got a very important topic, and we are going to be talking about FTAG 690, bowel and bladder incontinence, catheter, and UTI. So hi, Jennifer. Thanks for being here again. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you for having me back. Um, and I'm excited to uh, assist our listeners in understanding the F tags that uh, we're talking about with the substandard quality of care and how the surveyors arrive at citations and how we can avoid those deficiencies. Super. Let's uh, let's um, begin with how we have been been going through this series and just quickly explain to our listeners in case they're new to this um, what they can expect from this series that we're doing. Absolutely. Um, well, what we have been doing is covering one F tag per podcast to explain the 49 tags identified as substandard quality of care. And substandard quality of care is defined by CMS as having more than one deficiency related to participation requirements under resident behavior and facility practices, quality of life, and quality of care that constitute either immediate jeopardy to resident health and safety, a pattern of or widespread actual harm that is not immediate jeopardy, or a widespread potential for more than minimal harm, but less than immediate jeopardy with no actual harm. So we are using the State Operations Manual, Appendix PP or SOM, um, the guidance to surveyors for long-term care facilities um, that the surveyors use in order to provide for you the same information um, that they use when they come in to do your state survey. And we have always felt that this is your best tool, um, your cheat sheet, if you will, to uh, learn as much as the surveyors and to be prepared for your state survey. And as always, Laura and I advise you to download and follow along so that you get the most complete information. Wonderful, thanks. Well, let's uh, jump right into uh, FTAG 690 and let's start with a definition, Jennifer. Absolutely, okay. So looking at the previous tag, F315, and the new F690 tag, the definition did not change. Um, and so the psalm shows that F690 is defined as the following. The facility must ensure that a resident who is continent of batter, bladder and bowel on admission receives services and assistance to maintain continence unless his or her clinical condition is or becomes such that continence is not possible to maintain. For a resident with urinary incontinence based on the resident's comprehensive assessment, the facility must ensure that a resident who enters the facility without an indwelling catheter is not catheterized unless the resident's clinical condition demonstrates that catheterization was necessary. A resident who enters the facility with an indwelling catheter or subsequently receives one is assessed for removal of the catheter as soon as possible unless the resident's clinical condition demonstrates that catheterization is necessary and a resident who is continent of bladder receives appropriate treatment and services to prevent urinary tract infections and to restore continence to the extent possible for a resident um, with fecal incontinence 
based on the resident's comprehensive assessment, the facility must ensure that a resident who is incontinent of bowel receives appropriate treatment and services to restore as much normal bowel function as possible. So it's a lengthy uh, bit of a de definition there. Yeah, you can say that. It is a pretty long definition. <laughs> but, you know, but it, actually, Jennifer, it does address many um, important aspects of bowel and bladder incontinence and especially the use of catheters. Yes, it sure does. And, you know, catheter usage is a big area of concern. And so this will be a focus um, that the surveyors will have during your state survey. Yeah, you're, you're right with that. So let's talk about the intent of F690. Well, F690 ensures that each resident who is continent of bladder and bowel receives the necessary services and assistance to maintain continence unless it is clinically not possible. Each uh, resident who is continent of urine is identified, assessed, and provided appropriate treatment and services so that they can achieve or maintain as much normal bladder function as possible. A resident who is incontinent of bowel is identified, assessed, and provided appropriate treatment and services so that they can also restore as much normal bowel function as possible. Um, an indwelling catheter is not used unless there is a valid medical justification for catheterization, and the catheter is discontinued as soon as clinically warranted. Services are provided that restore or improve normal bladder function to the extent possible after the removal of the indwelling catheter. And then finally, a resident with or without an indwelling catheter receives the appropriate care and services to prevent urinary tract infections or UTIs uh, to the extent possible. Well, it sounds like F690 is saying that if a person comes into the facility with no catheterization, it's really, really important that the staff does everything possible to make sure that that resident doesn't have to have one, unless their medical condition warrants it, of course. But, you know, we all know that maintaining bowel and bladder continence uh, to the absolute highest degree is not only important physically, but really, really important mentally and emotionally. Absolutely. And, um, you know, some of the things that need to be considered by staff when assessing a resident for bowel and bladder incontinence or continence um, are looking at prior history of bladder functions. You know, did they have incontinence in the past? Is there a condition that exasperates, exacerbates the um, incontinence? Um, what are their voiding patterns? Check out their medications. Do a review. Does the uh, resident take medications that can affect continence? Um, patterns of fluid intake, use of urinary tract stimulants, including coffee. Um, lots of our residents like their coffee. Um, any physical features um, noted during a physical exam that would affect urinary continence, function, and cognitive capabilities. Um, pertinent diagnoses, any assistance needed to go to the toilet, any complications such as skin breakdown, tests or studies. And then finally, looking at those environmental factors such as grab bars, raised or lowered toilets, lighting, et cetera. There are so many things you can look at um, that go into this, um, into this area. Yeah, there are a lot of factors that go into evaluating a resident with bowel and bladder incontinence um, and, and issues that might get overlooked. And many of the things you mentioned really don't seem relevant until you put them into the context of how a resident's personal needs are met. Exactly, Laura. I mean, lighting or the level of the toilet seat may not come to mind until you are faced with a resident whose toileting is greatly affected by those factors. That's so true. That's so true. 
Now, one of the things that the Psalm covers under FTAG 690 um, is the different types of urinary incontinence. And there isn't just one blanket definition of incontinence. So what are some of those different types? Well, when you take into consideration some of the interventions and treatments needed for incontinence, it's wise to know that there are different types and what those types might be. Um, there is urge incontinence that is associated with an excessive contraction of the smooth muscle in the wall of the urinary bladder, and this causes the person to feel the need or that urge to void, and they may not be able to hold their urine. Um, stress incontinence is due to a malfunctioning urethral sphincter that allows urine leakage when there is added pressure, such as during a sneeze or a cough. Um, mixed incontinence is a combination of urge and stress. And then overflow incontinence is when the bladder is full and distended. Um, functional incontinence refers to a loss of urine that occurs in a resident that has a sufficiently intact urinary tract and should be able to maintain continence, but is incontinent when staff does not respond to a request for the toilet in a timely manner. Um, if there is physical weakness, cognitive impairment, meds, or environmental concerns. And then lastly, uh, transient incontinence is temporary or occasional incontinence that can be related to many different causes, such as an infection, pharmaceuticals, restricted mobility, those types of things. Well, thank you for defining those uh, differences. It It is important to know those differences so that the staff understand what interventions are necessary to promote that highest level of functioning to prevent the development of incontinence or the actual worsening of incontinence. And what are some of the ways then that the staff could address those underlying factors? Well, Laura, um, staff can manage pain and provide ad adaptive equipment. They can remove or improve environmental obstacles, treat underlying conditions, adjust medications, and implement a fluid and or bowel management program to meet those assessed needs. Jennifer, the Psalm mentions that there are two primary measures that health centers or facilities can use to address urinary incontinence. Those include behavior programs and medication therapy, but with the behavior programs, they're actually the least invasive. The critical elements of a successful behavioral program includes educating the caregiver and the resident, the availability of the staff, and the consistent implementation of the intervention. The programs also require the resident to be cooperative and motivated. And can you name some of the behavioral programs that might be utilized by the staff? Certainly. Um, bladder rehabilitation and retraining is a program where the resident resists the urge to void for as long as possible and urinate according to a timetable rather than the urge. Um, pelvic floor muscle rehabilitation, also called Kegel or pelvic floor exercises, are helpful with urge and stress incontinence. And prompted voiding is used for more dependent or cognitively impaired residents. What are some of the elements of prompted voiding? Well, there are three components, um, regular monitoring with encouragement to report incontinent status, um, prompting the resident to use the toilet as scheduled, and then to give praise and positive feedback. Those are the behavioral programs, but the Psalm also mentions habit training and scheduled voiding as well. Well, habit training and scheduled voiding is not a behavioral program, but rather a technique to schedule bathroom um, use at scheduled intervals usually like every three to four hours. Some other interventions may include intermittent catheterization, 
uh, medication therapy, a pessary, or absorbent products such as adult briefs. The psalm goes into much more detail on those interventions. Okay, thank you. That's very, very helpful. Now, this uh, this new FTAG and regulation under FTAG 690, it goes into greater detail about catheterization as well, and it would be beneficial to read what should be included in an assessment. Would you mind telling our listeners what types of information should be included in their policy and procedures related to catheterization? No, I don't mind. Um, The information that should be included in the policy and procedure is documentation of the involvement of the resident representative um, in the discussion of the risks and benefits of the use of a catheter, uh, removal of the catheter when criteria or indication for use is no longer present, and the right to decline the use of a catheter. Um, Another would be timely and appropriate assessments related to the indication for use of an indwelling catheter. Um, in identification and documentation of clinical indications for the use of a catheter, as well as criteria for the discontinuance of the catheter when the indication for use is no longer present. Insertion, ongoing care, and catheter removal protocols that adhere to professional standards of practice and infection prevention and control procedures. Response of the resident during the use of the catheter. And then finally, ongoing monitoring for changes in condition related to potential Uh, catheter-acquired UTIs, recognizing, reporting, and addressing those changes. Now, I'm going to go ahead and refer our listeners back to that all-important psalm again, because the psalm showed an example of an appropriate indication of catheter use and an inappropriate use. So the indications were, so examples of appropriate indications for indwelling catheter use, um, urethral catheter use that is, is a resident has an acute urinary retention or bladder outlet obstruction. They have the need for accurate measurements of urinary output. They have the need to assist in the healing of the open sacral or perennial wound um, in incontinent residents. And um, or a resident requires prolonged immobilization, potentially um, unstable thoracic or lumbar spine, um, multiple traumatic injury, injuries such as a pelvic fractures, fat fracture, and to improve comfort for the end of life at, at, if needed. So those are all examples of appropriate indications for indwelling urethral catheter use. Examples of inappropriate use of indwelling catheters are first the substitute for nursing care of the resident with incontinence and as a means of obtaining urine for culture or other diagnostic tests when the resident can voluntarily void. Yes, Um, those are some great examples of both of those, um, you know, appropriate and inappropriate. Um, You know, I've, I've seen not in any of our facilities, thankfully, but I've seen, you know, catheter use being done for staff convenience, and that's just simply never okay. Um, and again, that never happened in an LCS community, so I'm very tickled to hear, to see that and to, and to hear that that's never been the case. Um, some additional care practices related to catheterization um, include recognizing and assessing for complications in their causes and maintaining a record of any catheter-related problems. Um, attempts to remove the catheter as soon as possible when no indications exist for its continuing use, monitoring for excessive post-void residual after removing a catheter that was inserted for obstruction or overflow incontinence, 
keeping the catheter anchored to prevent excessive tension on the catheter, which can lead to um, urethral tears or dislodging of the catheter, and then also securing the catheter to facilitate the flow of urine, um, you know, preventing kinking of the tubing and making sure that you've got that position below the level of the bladder. Well, and there's a lot more information available in the sum to assist our lead, our readers and listeners um, with complications and how to recognize them, as well as information, important information about fecal incontinence and UTIs. Absolutely. And this is why we encourage you all again, download and follow along in that sum. That's your cheat sheet. So like we've been doing with um, our other discussions on the F-tags, let's look at the key components of non-compliance and specifically with um, F-tag 690. Well, the surveyors may cite deficient practice of F-690 if the health center fails to do any of the following, um, to provide appropriate and sufficient services and assistance um, that maintains bladder continence and or bowel function in continent residents, to restore bladder continence and or bowel function as possible based on a comprehensive assessment and clinical condition, or to prevent urinary uh, tract infections to the extent possible. They need to uh, make sure that they don't fail to ensure that a resident is not catheterized unless required by his or her clinical condition, or ensure that a urinary catheter is removed as soon as possible unless the catheter is necessary because of the resident's clinical condition. The surveyors will also utilize the bladder and bowel incontinence critical element pathway and or the urinary catheter and UTI critical element pathway as well to determine compliance. I'm really glad you brought up the critical element pathways, Jennifer, because those are some of the best tools that um, CMS has developed when looking at these critical areas. So we really, really urge everyone to make sure that they have downloaded each of the critical element pathways are so, so important as we're moving through this process. And I know yeah. I also sound like a uh, broken record because <laughs> uh, going back to that Psalm again, there are examples of harm in relationship to this tag with its severity. So um, I know we've said that before. And having having said that, Jennifer, um, I want to thank you again for joining us today and thank all of our listeners. We hope that you found our discussion on FTAG 690 to be beneficial and that you'll continue to join us as we explore each of the 49 substandard quality of care FTAGs in the upcoming weeks. So, Jennifer, I look forward to our next discussion. Thank you, Laura. I look forward to it as well. And the next time we're together, um, we're going to continue to talk about some appliances here a little bit. We're going to do F691, colostomy, urostomy, or ileostomy care. Thank you. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for joining us. Legal Disclaimer. Life Care Services LLC is not engaged in rendering legal advice. Therefore, any information provided in this podcast, although intended to be correct, is also not intended to replace or supersede the advice of your legal counsel. Also, thank you to Ben Sounds for the music provided in this podcast.